0: Hello, welcome to New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Bennison. Thanks once again for joining us. This week we speak with Jane Britt. Jane is the Policy and Advocacy Team Leader with Blind Citizens Australia. Jane, welcome back to the program and thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: It's been some time since we've spoken on the program about the COVID-19 pandemic. Most recently we spoke about people who are blind or vision impaired being bullied or uh, being... uh, I guess you could say ostracised or or whatever because of the inability to understand where appropriate social distancing measures were put in place and uh, how you know to to move through the environment in a new era of social distancing. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since then, there's been several BCA informs and there's been uh, happy hours and things relating to the pandemic. Things are starting to open up now and things are changing significantly, including the numbers of uh, COVID-19 across Australia. What's been the impact, do you think, on the pandemic overall on people who are blind or vision impaired in Australia?
1: Yeah, you were certainly right there in highlighting uh, the differences to a couple of years ago where we were, you know, going into lockdowns and a lot more isolated, whether people were making that individualistic choice uh, as things um, were heading towards a, you know, vaccination quota where we could start to open up more. Now we are sort of in that phase of the pandemic where Australia has opened up, uh, but we are certainly seeing an escalation in COVID cases as a result of that. Uh, for people that are blind or vision impaired, what what that really means is that uh, they need to be uh, a lot more cautious around actually testing and and being aware of if they are somewhat sick of uh, determining if it is COVID-19 and therefore what proactive measures to take. So what we've particularly seen as a major pain point, um, so to speak, in the in the latest. Uh, uh, Aspect of the pandemic has been the uh, testing methods that have been used. So, where people were going to a clinic and using a PCR test, uh, maybe by a health professional going into a walk-in or drive-in testing clinic, uh, now we've got the home testing availability, which is a rapid antigen test or RATS, as they come to be known. And that has been quite problematic for people that are blind or vision impaired because they are highly inaccessible being very visual tests.
0: Mm. Let's let's take a little bit of a step back. You know, you mentioned vaccinations and uh, vaccine quotas and things like that. Do we have any data as to how many people who are blind or vision impaired have not been able to take advantage of vaccines?
1: Uh, No, we don't at present. Uh, The data hasn't been that nuanced that's been coming out, but we do know that it has caused a bit more difficulty for people who are blind or vision impaired to actually get to vaccination centres because it's quite reliant on either being able to navigate the public transport to get there or having someone else to assist maybe with driving someone to that um, testing centre. So we have heard that for people uh, that are blind or vision impaired that it certainly has been a little bit more challenging.
0: What would you encourage people to do if they haven't yet been vaccinated and are particularly keen to? What would be the process
1: uh, certainly, I think uh, get in touch with your um, state or territory health. Uh, there will be different information aco- across the different uh, websites and there'll be phone numbers that you can ring for each each state and territory health uh, that will then be able to give you directions. Uh, for example, in Victoria, there's a program called Call to Testing and that's a program whereby uh, someone can come out and actually uh, help you at home. But... Uh, There's different uh, systems that have been done by the different states and territories, but those health authorities should be able to provide a bit more information around what to do if you are finding it um, problematic to actually get to a vaccination centre. And if you are still having difficulties and certainly um, the service providers may be able to provide a bit more information in this space
0: looking at testing you did mention the rapid antigen tests people will have heard uh, across the media over the last couple of months uh, the inherent difficulties of obtaining those tests in the first place particularly around the end of last year and uh, early this year that's not really the case anymore is it but the the tests um, have inherent issues particularly as you mentioned for people who are blind or vision impaired how do the tests work and why is that a problem
1: Yeah, so generally what we have found with the rapid antigen test, so there's about 32 or so that have been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration in Australia, and these are all very similar in nature. So a lot of them rely on taking either a swab, a nasal swab, where something is done through the nose or through saliva in the mouth, and then... Uh, That is put in a vial with liquid, which is then uh, you have to drop that into a little square or rectangular really shape of a testing cassette that has holes in it and you have to aim that into the hole where it will then after 15 minutes or so show either one line if you are negative or two lines if you're positive. So all the way through this test as you can sort of gather from that explanation it's a highly visual process from actually setting up the testing kit to ensuring that the liquid gets in the right place to then reading the results at the end of it.
0: So this is a clear disadvantage for people who are blind or vision impaired, what's the solution?
1: At the moment uh, we are taking a multi-pronged approach to a solution. Uh, in the short term, uh, what we have been advocating for behind the scenes with uh, state and territory health authorities, as well as at federal level with um, the health department, is looking at uh, where some solutions can be in, me- in place. So, for example, what we found with the different rapid antigen tests is the ones that involve the least amount of steps are the best ones. Uh, so that is the saliva lollipop style one where you take off the cap and use it inside your mouth. You're not dropping the liquid into the actual cassette, um, uh, which is the way that most of them operate. But what we're really looking towards and working towards is a long-term prototype, uh, which would be the development of an actual physical uh, rapid antigen test that is entirely accessible through uh, physical attributes that would make it able to be um, navigated independently by someone who's blind or vision impaired. What that exactly looks like, uh, we don't know yet. Um, certainly, we have been looking uh, to our international counterparts. Um, we've had discussions with the Royal National Institute of the Blind in the UK about some of the work that they have done uh, with pregnancy tests um, around development of accessibility um, measures for a physical test. Uh, but we know that we need a long-term solution.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned pregnancy tests. I was going to make the observation that uh, those of us who have had children and are thinking of having children will have come across this uh, pregnancy test, a very similar issue with uh, regard to pregnancy tests. And I, I think it's important to note that if we can get this right, it could be used for a whole raft of different things, uh, including potentially um, forms of blood glucose monitoring and other things like that. So, you know, it, it would be really exciting to get something like this happening. There are solutions out there that don't rely necessarily on RNA. R&D and project development and things like that. I'm thinking in particular that I have uh, heard of some people having success doing rat tests with Ira and services like that.
1: Yes, certainly we we have heard the same thing, and I I know certainly that Ira has put out. Uh information um themselves about how to best uh prepare and work with an agent to do a test uh so there it has been some success there and i think you know for an interim measure that is something certainly that people can look at um either using our or be my eyes however a service looks for someone um and what they're most comfortable with using uh but yes it's it's certainly a good interim measure as you say as we move towards development of that long-term solution it will have widespread application
0: are pcr tests still a thing are you still able to get a pcr test if you're not able to find a solution that works for you
1: yeah certainly you can um they are certainly still available, and there is information in the various state and territory websites about this. In each area, um, each jurisdiction is doing it in their own way, but they certainly are available. And as we know, with the sensitivity of testing, that the PCR obviously does carry the benefit of having quite a high level of sensitivity. The rapid antigen tests vary in terms of the sensitivity that they have to be able to pick up um, a positive test um, and not not bring back a false positive. Uh, but this, this information can be found through the Therapeutic Goods Administration website if someone is uh, concerned about that aspect of it. But if someone wants it for uh, you know the accessibility and ease of access of going for a PCR test, it certainly is something that still is an option in many places.
0: Now, Jane, moving on to other things, the Disability Royal Commission, once again, something we haven't discussed on the program for some time. It's still going. I think it's uh, due to finish. Is it the end of this year or the end of next year?
1: It's the end of next year, although they are starting to, uh, by the end of this year, starting to wrap up um, the direct uh, consultations with um, witnesses and anyone who wishes to come forward with evidence.
0: There are still uh, consultations going on with the Commission Mm. and um, Blind Citizens Australia is working on further submissions, I understand.
1: Yes, that's right. So we are still undertaking um, individual submissions. Uh, We are quite happy for members to contact us should they wish to be guided through making a submission uh, to the Disability Royal Commission. Um, We're happy to take that in a few different forms. We can talk you through that and how that would um, most... Uh, be appropriate to you and most comfortable for you. However, um, uh, more or less, uh, we're quite happy to have any any type of feedback that members want to give to the Royal Commission um, before it closes up at the end of the year. So we're encouraging anyone that um, has any any input they want to make to this once in a lifetime opportunity uh, to have our voices being heard. Um, I, th- I, I would encourage anyone who is even slightly thinking about it to come forth and we, we can work with you together um, to, to get something in, into the Royal Commission.
0: Do we have any idea or feeling yet about what the Commission might do in terms of affecting real-world change?
1: It's not very clear at present. I mean, there certainly has been a vast volume of information coming back uh, from the Royal Commission. Uh, Many really interesting uh, research reports have come out around some of our, how we are matching up to things like the UN uh, Convention on the Rights of People with Disability uh, and um, stacking up Australia's performance against uh, some of those uh, broader measures. So I certainly think there'll be, you know, a raft of recommendations that will come down that will actually cause tangible change um, as to how our legislation and also our international obligations in terms of, uh, you know, ensuring human rights of people with disabilities will actually be enforced.
0: Mm. I guess the concern across the community is that once the Commission wraps up at the end of next year, where to from there and and where will people with disability be in relation to uh, affecting legislative and regulatory change uh, for the sector?
1: I can understand that and I think what what will happen then is the conversation will shift. So once the final reports come down and the recommendations have come down, it will be up to organisations like BCA and other advocacy organisations, certainly the National Peaks will be involved in that very much uh, in making sure that those recommendations are carried through. So in any subsequent consultation, things like the National Disability Strategy, as we look ahead once the next um, 10 years is developed, uh, we will be making sure that the uh, findings that have come out of that Royal Commission aren't lost, um, that they are actually um, accounted for and that there is measures put in place by different departments and uh, different uh, frameworks and legislation that will ensure um, that people's rights are protected.
0: How can people get in touch with you if uh, they are keen to make a submission?
1: Yeah, uh, so if anyone wants to make a submission to the Disability Royal Commission with BCA Assisting, uh, we're quite happy to take your call on 1800 033 660 or email bca at bca.org.au. Please uh, know that everything will be kept confidential and you will only need to disclose anything that you are quite uh, comfortable to disclose to us.
0: And the information around rapid antigen tests is available on the Blind Citizens Australia website, as well as contact details for your State Department of Health. If you'd like to know more information, have a look at the BCA website, bca.org.au. And uh, if you'd like to call one 800 one 800 660 You can, of course, email Blind Citizens Australia, bca at bca.org.au. I'm Vaughn Bennison. Do take care. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realisation of our dreams. Of our dreams.